You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to your Valentine's Views podcast for Monday, November 21st. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. And subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts if you're uh, listening to uh, to us across, across the Big Blue View radio network. All right, uh, Giants fans, Tony Del Genio here with me today. As always on Monday to uh, to talk about uh, the latest Giants game. This one a uh, a really really disappointing thirty one eighteen loss to uh, to the Detroit Lions. Tony, how you doing this morning? I'm doing well, thank you. So uh, a- as I said, uh, Tony, this one really disappointing game. I- in some ways, I think you could see this coming a little bit. There, there had to be a game somewhere along the line where uh, where things didn't go well. As I wrote last night, you know, teams don't go through a seventeen game season and and put their best foot forward, you know, each and every single Sunday. But but this was a a really disappointing day for the Giants from the way that they played to all of the injuries that uh, that they suffered. What's your what's your big takeaway? Yeah, I you know I think I think it's actually pretty amazing that the Giants haven't had a bad game yet, even even when they've lost. I think they've been you know very competitive. Uh, you, you might say the Seattle game wasn't too good, but they were you know they were still tied in that game with uh, eleven minutes uh, to go. And uh, uh, the Dallas game, I thought they they fought hard, just couldn't protect Jones enough and couldn't stop CD Lamb when it counted. But they but they generally played tough in in that game too this is the first game that that they really looked like they were they were they were off kilter on offense on defense and i want to say in coaching too i thought this is the worst game that this coaching staff has had i would agree with you on on all counts there tony the uh the issue that i have and again something that i wrote after sunday's game the issue that i have is when you look at this team, it's amazing that they were seven and two. It really is because this is not a complete team. This is not a dominant team. This is a team with, I think, as we've discussed, a very narrow path to victory. You know, path that includes running the football well, not making mistakes, controlling the pace of the game, controlling the clock, and relying on on the opposition to make mistakes at the end of games, you get them out of that comfort zone. And we saw a little bit of the result on Sunday. They, they somehow, even though they lost, you know, two games prior to Sunday, 
managed to stay in that comfort zone for most of nine weeks. And what I, what I wonder is, was Sunday just a bad game, which obviously it was a bad game, you know, or do, do we toss it out or is it sort of a harbinger of things to come over the next seven weeks? So my feeling is that it's a, it's a little bit of both. It's tough to, to isolate one particular thing. I mean, obviously this game was a stinker. They did not play well in, in any of the three phases of the game. And as I said, I didn't even think that the coaching was, was very good in this game decisions that were made before the game and, and during the game, but at the same, and at the same time, uh, which I'm sure we'll get to, they're losing so many players to injury that they're down to a pretty bare bones roster in, in several parts, uh, of the, of the team. And eventually that has to, that has to uh, have some effects. And naturally we all know, we've known this all season that the worst part of their schedule, the toughest part of their schedule is coming up for most of the rest of the season. And so there are all kinds of, I think, reasons why, why this could partially be a harbinger of what's to come. The other thing, which, and I, and I can't say this definitively is that, you know, now you've got 10 weeks of film. If you're an opposing coaching staff you've got 10 weeks of film to understand what the giants are doing and react to what they're doing plan for for what they're doing to to shut it off and i think you know you're seeing you're seeing bits and pieces of that now i think we certainly saw that in the seattle game where where seattle's defense cut off the the giants read option uh offense which by the way they came back with yesterday after it being put to bed for a little while and, and, and they, they, they made some hay with that. That's great. But you just wonder to what extent teams now are cluing in on the giants tendencies. And, and then the question, of course it's, it's like a chess game. And so does the coaching staff see what's happening there and say, okay, here's our next move. What are we going to do differently than, than we did before? And, and I think that, that will have a lot to say about, about whether this is a harbinger of things or whether it's just a little blip in, in things that, that will go, away and maybe go away after Thursday when they've got a really tough game. All right, Tony, let's, let's talk about injuries and those injuries bleed into some of what you were talking about with coaching and coaching decisions. Now, Brian Dable and his staff have had a magic touch through nine games. They've done a lot of things, right? Sunday certainly didn't give me pause to think any less of Brian Dable and his staff than I than I than I do or than I did previous to that. But Sunday, I thought that a couple of decisions that they made came back to hurt them. And you know, first and foremost, we'll talk about injuries. That the biggest injury that we know about, and this was not a coaching decision of any sort, but the biggest injury we found out Monday morning, Wandale Robinson is lost for the season to a torn ACL. Real shame. Robinson was in the midst of his best NFL game. Quality young player, but it's funny because he's five foot eight and 180, 185 pounds. And there was a point in Monday's or Sunday's game where Patty Trina of Giants country is sitting next to me in the press box. And I turned to her and I said, I love this kid, 
He's a really good young player, but I hold my breath every time he gets hit because he's so small. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, he got knocked out of bounds, got hit off balance, and he's done for the season. I feel bad for the kid, but at this point, I also wonder where the heck the Giants are going to uh, to get production out of the passing game. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure that particular injury had anything to do with his his size in particular. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe a six foot four, two hundred and twenty pound wide receiver wouldn't wouldn't have been pushed in the same direction or something like that. But you know, I mean, there are plenty of small receivers uh, around the league. I was watching Sky Moore play for Kansas City last night. He's a kind of similar type of receiver to uh, to Wandale Robinson. I think. I think it's a legitimate question over the long term as to as to whether a guy that size can can uh, stand the wear and tear. I'm, I'm just not sure about about that injury last night. At any rate, um, you know, I think that that a lot of it is is uh, bad luck. Um, you know, I love him too. And I just think he was playing great last night. He had his first hundred yard game as a receiver, which may be the first hundred yard game that a receiver has had for the Giants. I don't know. I don't know whether might, Shepard might be. Uh, I'm not sure. I'd have to go I don't back. Remember Sterling Shepard reached hundred in game one when he had that 65 yard touchdown pass. But, uh, uh, but certainly the Giants haven't had many hundred yard receivers. So, I mean, so the good news is, is that they finally used him extensively uh, yesterday, which they really hadn't been doing. And he produced when they when they did, and he looks like a reliable receiving option. So I guess it remains to be seen whether he can hold up uh, under the wear and tear of an NFL schedule when he when he comes back next year. Um, of course, the the guy that he ostensibly replaced on the Giants roster that we thought was going to be that that guy to give them that type of stuff. Uh, had another hammy last night on Sunday night football and we'll see how long he's out for. So. Yes. The, the, the Kansas city chiefs wide receiver who shall remain nameless has yet another hammy. Yep. And, and that for all giants fans out there, that is so, kind of sort of, I guess a reason to smile this morning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. 
That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. But uh, the other injury that we have to talk about, and we don't know the extent yet of any of the other injuries, Brian Dable wasn't giving information Monday morning, said guys were still undergoing tests. But but the one that that goes right to the core of this Giants coaching staff making a mistake is the knee injury suffered by Adore Jackson. And there was a report from Jordan Schultz that it's a sprained MCL. He could be out three to five weeks. No one has verified that yet at this point. I'm assuming or hoping at least that we get more information later today. But I understand coaches wanting to put their best players in positions to to make plays, whether that's on special teams or or wherever, but this was an injury that the Giants just couldn't afford. And for me, the even bigger, the even bigger shame of this is in the two games that we saw Adore Jackson return punts, he showed no signs of being a dynamic playmaker as a punt returner. He showed no signs of being able to do any more than just catch the punt. And I I can't I I hate going back to the Jason Seahorn injury, you know, returning a kickoff in a preseason game. There was talk the other, you know, in the press box on Sunday about Jabril Peppers getting hurt returning kicks for the Giants. Somebody's got to do it. But when your roster's as thin as this Giants roster is, maybe that's an indictment of the rest of the roster, but it just seems like a very, very dangerous decision by the Giants that really is coming back to bite them now. Yeah, and and I think this is a case where, you know, it's, it, it, it's funny. Uh, Giants fandom makes all kinds of hot takes reacting to anything that goes on adversely for the Giants or anything that that goes good and everything everything is is always magnified into some some referendum on on a player or on the team or something like that and and a lot of them are funny because they'll you know they can change one week later uh this is a case where Giants fandom and Giants press including people like you were were unanimous in saying before the game that this was a bad idea by Dable to have him re- returning punts and and you know what are you thinking to have your best cornerback out there when you're already so thin at the defensive back uh, positions? Why would you put your best cornerback out there to receive punts? Now, uh, you know, oh yes, Richie James had that terrible game in Seattle, but then later on they were they were 
trying to make the point that, oh, it was because he had cotton sleeves on that game and he didn't have good enough grip on the ball and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, well, you know, he didn't have cotton sleeves on yesterday uh, in the game. Uh, you know, why couldn't he be back there returning punts? And you know, I'd rather have him fumble another one if if he really is that bad at doing it. I'd rather have him fumble another one than, than what happened. And so, I mean, I think this is a case where, I think the fans were ahead of the coaches and, and I, I know of no one who, who thought that this was a good idea outside of uh, the giants building. Yeah. The, the shame of it also is that I look at it. Richie James had a bad game and everyone under the sun wanted him replaced as punt returner. A lot of giants fans wanted him cut, but the reality of it is Richie James has been a good punt returner kickoff returner for the majority of his career he's done it for a while and he probably still was the best option on the 53-man roster that the Giants had when I look at a Dory Jackson I'm looking at his career statistics returning punts which he hadn't done since 2019 before the Giants put him back there and He's an average punt returner. He averages, I think, 8.4 yards per return. There's nothing special about him as a, as a punt returner. I, I could understand it. Maybe back in the day, Patrick Peterson, early in his career, top-tier cornerback, but was also an incredibly dangerous punt returner, one of the best in the league at that. And... That's an obvious risk, and yet he was showing you that there was benefit to that risk because he could make game-changing plays as a punt returner. Dory Jackson was showing no signs of being able to do anything but catch the football. Yeah. And, and you could put a lot of guys back there to just fair catch the football mm-hmm. and, or, or catch it and step out of bounds. You could put a lot of guys back there to do that, And it's just an injury that the Giants couldn't afford. Fabian Moreau went down during the game. The Giants were playing Nick McLeod, Rodarius Williams, and Cordell Flott. And the the Lions were licking their chops, throwing the ball at Rodarius Williams. He couldn't defend anybody. He couldn't tackle anybody. And that's a little bit unfair to Radarius Williams because it's a little unfair for me to criticize him because he's been out for more than a year after suffering a torn ACL. He's barely had any practice time. He's had no contact. He hasn't had to tackle anybody in, in almost a year and a half. So what happened is obviously what was going to happen. And, and it's unfortunate because those are probably your three cornerbacks on on Thursday night against the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. And and I have no idea how Wink Martindale's going to run the defense that he wants to run with those three guys at corner with with Dane Belton and it's pretty clear although the Giants love Belton as a safety it's pretty clear that they see him as a developing player and not a fully developed player because they 
they limit his snaps on a week-to-week basis. They were using Jason Pinnock a lot. They take they take Belton off the field quite a bit. So it's obvious there's situations they don't want to expose him to. But really, for me, this whole situation was an unforced error. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree completely with that. Um, as for, for Wink Martindale, uh, last year he went through this with the Baltimore Ravens and, and got himself fired. Got himself, <laughs> got himself fired. That's right. Uh, what he did as the season went on when, when uh, first, I guess it was uh, Mar- Marcus Peters went down with an injury for, uh, for the season. And then later on, I think uh, Marlon Humphrey went down too, if I remember correctly. And as the season went on, uh, he, he did play less cover one uh, uh, and uh, more, more uh, cover two. Or or two man, basically cover two, cover four, cover six uh, defenses than he had for most of the previous uh, three years, and so I think even someone like Wink Martindale, who wants to be super aggressive, sometimes may recognize that you know, well, discretion is the better part of valor, and uh, uh, I better I better have two guys back there all the time. Of course, of course, when you're using your safeties as quarterbacks, who plays safety, right? Uh, the Giants are 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 so depleted at defensive back that it's really going to be uh, a challenge. But um, I think, I think that's probably what's going to happen is we're going to see a slightly less aggressive uh, defense than, than we've seen from him all year, especially I think against the Cowboys with a team that has, has very dangerous receiving uh, weapons. And, and frankly, you know, Dak is a more mobile quarterback than Cooper Rush was who uh, the Giants saw last time. And so, uh, you can imagine that 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 they'll maybe take a, a stance of, of trying to to confuse him with coverages rather than confusing him with blitzes so much. But who knows? We'll find out in a, in a few days. Right. And the other, what I will term unforced error by the Giants, I think we saw. I think I think it might have been the very first time Daniel Jones dropped back to pass. The other unforced error that we saw, and I love the guy. I love Shane Lemieux. You know, he's he's I love he's he's a good guy to talk to. He works hard. He tries hard. He's an aggressive player. He's gone through a lot the last couple of years, and I'm glad to see him, you know, back on the roster. But it became evident in one pass blocking snap on Sunday that Shane Lemieux should not have been in the starting lineup on Sunday. That is another complete, total, unforced error by the Giants. And and I get the fact that Brian Daybol and Bobby Johnson, the offensive line coach, love Lemieux. They would have been in favor of drafting Lemieux with Buffalo a couple of years ago. They were excited about coaching. You know, Bobby Johnson was excited about having Lemieux and – and they they got him on the field at the the first possible opportunity that they could get him on the field but he very very clearly was not ready to play NFL football on Sunday yeah i agree with that and and it was it was pretty obvious on the tv broadcast as well because i can't remember was it the second play from scrimmage that jones dropped back and and Aleem McNeil just just bowled him back toward toward Daniel Jones and 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 uh, 
Uh, and it was, it was so obvious that he was, that he was, was having a tough time. And after I saw that, then I started trying to specifically watch him on, on a lot of the dropbacks. And he was, you know, he was getting, he was getting beaten a lot on, on the dropbacks. Uh, you know, on the one hand, I mean, it's interesting if you're, you know, if you're the Giants coaches taking over this team, are you almost uncomfortable that the Giants have gotten to seven and two and are putting themselves in position for a playoff run because you're trying to to develop players and understand what you have and so on and so forth, so that when you get a guy who comes back and you don't have, you know, an obvious stud to put in there at, at left guard, you say, well, let's let's start him, give him a chance, and and see what he can do. Um, I can almost I can almost sympathize uh, with with that, but. I'm not sure that I would have let him go more than maybe just the first quarter before I made the change, because I didn't think it took well, that long to, to make the assessment. They waited until halftime and to, uh, to switch to a Zudo and so a Zudo and, and I'm not, I'm not sure, you know, why they let it go that long before they made the change because they got themselves into a hole by halftime. Right. I'm, I'm not going to be critical of Lemieux because I don't think it was fair to him to be out there. Yeah, but I remember studying Aleem McNeil a couple of years ago prior to the draft, and I liked him. I thought he was I thought he was a guy that could be an an adequate NFL defensive tackle, middle middle round type draft pick. But Aleem McNeil is an adequate player, but they made him look like an All Pro. He had four quarterback hits in the first half. He ended up, you know, he had a he had that sack. He had three tackles for loss, and I think however many quarterback, like I said, four quarterback hits or whatever it was. And I looked at his career stats this morning. He had never had more than one quarterback hit or one tackle for loss in a game prior to Sunday, and and that's just that just tells you you know, how far Shane Lemieux was from actually being ready. So that's, that's another mistake. And, uh, you know, it's maybe not game plan. It's not play calling, but just a mistake in, in personnel usage and, uh, and another unforced error by a coaching staff that's done almost everything right so yeah. far. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with that, and I think every Giants fan will agree with that. Because if you look at Giants Twitter, it's kind of fun to watch to watch a Giants game while you're following along on Twitter. And and right after that first play that that McNeil blew by uh, Lemieux, the Twitter was just lighting up with like, "Gotta get Lemieux out of, out of there," and so on. And I thought, again, I thought that was an overreaction. But then by the end of the first quarter, I said, "Well, you know what? They're they're right. He's getting beat consistently." If I can just look at the at the flip side of things, and of course, this was a move made out of necessity and not so much by choice but after uh, Tyree Phillips went down and they put Matt Parrott in there uh for the first time other than at those those I think jumbo tight end uh, uh formations that they had been they had been running the past couple of weeks but Matt Parrott played the rest of the game at, at right tack, tackle as far as I know and I wasn't watching him every play I, I saw one play where he didn't do a good job but for the most part I thought Matt Parrott looked adequate and i got a little satisfaction out of that because i I had been puzzled the last two years by a a guy who who looked in 2020 as if he could be a you know possible starting uh offensive tackle for the giants he handled chase young pretty well uh, in one game and so on and so forth 
And then all of a sudden he just fell out of favor and and looked like he was someone who was who was out the door and might might not never play for the Giants again. So I'm I'm very interested to see whether with this coaching staff and this uh, offensive line coach, Bobby Johnson, whether they can make him into a useful right tackle, which would give them a re- at, at the very least a really nice backup uh, to you. So, so I was encouraged by that yesterday. Uh, the interior offensive line though, is obviously disaster. It's a, a mess this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and even, even Mark Lewinsky on the other side, again, he has a reputation as being a better uh, run blocker than, uh, than a pass blocker, but yeah, he 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 has real deficiencies as a pass blocker, and and Feliciano, who also got hurt yesterday, uh, you know, has been adequate at best, but but nothing special. Again, the upside is that we got to see uh, Nick Gates actually playing center for a change, and and so you know, those are those are the positive things I try to take from a game that that had very few positives to look at. Yeah, absolutely. I I enjoyed seeing Matt Parrott play reasonably well on Sunday. The only thing I'll say about that is I thought that Matt Parrott should have been starting every single week last year. I thought that, uh, that this was a young, talented, developing player who was mishandled by the previous head coach. And, uh, and I, I will be happy to see him play you know, and, and play fairly well. I'm assuming that he's going to have to play Thursday night against Dallas. Not an easy assignment for, for anyone, but, but if he plays well, I, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity to talk to him a couple times and he's, he's a nice young man. He's a good guy to talk to. Seems like a guy who, who wants to play well and I'll feel good for him if uh, if he does that. Anyway, Tony, let's talk playoffs. Um, the Giants, obviously, before Sunday, were looked at as a team. Most of these prognostication sites that do probabilities had the Giants anywhere from 75% to 90% probability of making the playoffs you know based on however they did their formula and this morning those probabilities are down to anywhere from 50 to 65 percent honestly I think Sunday's game it showed so many of the weaknesses that the Giants have they got hurt by so many of these injuries and the schedule is so difficult the rest of the way. The Giants have by far the hardest schedule of any NFL team going forward. The As much of a feel-good season as it's been for the Giants, it's going to be hard for them to make the playoffs. It really is because it's going to be hard for them to get to 10 wins, which I think is what they're going to have to do. Yeah, I think I think obviously they've got a much more difficult road after yesterday, not just because of, of the loss. You know, standing at eight and two would have would have put you in a much more favorable position going going forward, but also because of the injuries and just how the roster is is continually uh being depleted. I am not as pessimistic as you are because I'm not sure that 
10 wins are going to be required because if you look at the rest of the NFC, the rest of the NFC is, is actually pretty awful. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, Dallas is obviously on, on the rise and I think it would be a miracle if the giants won on, on Thursday night, the way things are right now, they're hitting Dallas at a, at a very bad time, the way Dallas is playing and uh, and they're hitting them at a very bad time, considering who they have to to put out there to match up uh, against Dallas. And so, uh, you know, let's say let's say we 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 chalk that one up as a loss. I mean, Washington, who they get twice, is a very funny team. They've got talent, and I think they're better off at quarterback with Heineke than they were with Carson Wentz. Uh, and so, I think they have a better chance to beat the Giants that way. But the Giants always play. Washington tough and and I'm not convinced that Washington is a very well coached team and so uh, I you know I still give them a chance to to at least uh, split those games uh, and you know and then you have games you know Philadelphia well Philadelphia looks like they're much more talented than the Giants but but just yesterday Philadelphia had to had to score a touchdown in the final minute just to beat the Colts who have had such a, a terrible season uh, up to up to now. And the Vikings, right, who are supposedly this great team, uh, were absolutely embarrassed. I mean, the Vikings look like a team with no heart yesterday against Dallas. And, and that's that's kind of the it's kind of the reputation, I think, that that team under Kirk Cousins has is that it's a team that that, that doesn't fight back that much. I mean, they did it the previous week against Buffalo beautifully. And then and then yesterday they just they just laid down and, and died against uh, against Dallas. And so, yeah, the Dallas game, the Philadelphia games, I, I you know, I, I don't think the odds of those are very great, but I'm, I still hold out hope for the Colts game and the two Washington games. And uh, if they can get two of those, they get to nine and eight. And uh, nine and eight might do it in the NFC because there just aren't many good teams around. That's true. And I don't mean to be overly pessimistic. And and look, they're seven and three. They're playing meaningful football games in Thanksgiving. They're going to play meaningful games the rest of the way. They've already had, in many ways, a successful season. They've already established that they have a good front office. They have a good coaching staff. They have some really, really solid building blocks. For me, a playoff berth is a bonus. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of having their cake and eating it too, or it's, uh, it's, it's having an extra piece of pie on Thanksgiving or whatever, however you want to put it. I mean, they can, They've got seven games left. It's absolutely possible they can get to nine wins, ten wins. It's possible. I'm just I'm just looking at the the numbers and the difficulty of what they have remaining in front of them. And 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 it's not easy. It's not as there, there are Giants fans who are dreaming about Odell Beckham and dreaming about a Super Bowl run just a few days ago and and I guess my point is it's not going to be nearly near nearly as easy as many people thought that it would be. It's not nearly as much a guarantee that this team makes the playoffs as some people thought it might be. 
Yeah, yeah, and 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 I think yesterday's game is what completely changes that. Not just because of the numbers, but because you you lost a winnable game against a mediocre. Not a bad. I mean, Detroit is not a bad team if you've watched no. them during the year, and I've, I've seen them a few times, and you know, they play well. I think the the big surprise yesterday is that the Giants were so inept on offense against their defense because Detroit's defense is what has been holding that team back all year. Detroit's offense is actually one of the better ones in the, in the NFL. I mean, amazingly, they, they, you know, they put up points in, in the majority of games they played, although they hadn't, hadn't recently. It's their defense that has been just really, really terrible all season. And so to watch them, the thing about yesterday's game, I think that was most concerning is that on both sides of the ball, the, uh, the Lions line dominated the Giants line. The, the, the Lions defensive line absolutely dominated our offensive line. And uh, and our defensive line, frankly, didn't do much against their offensive line, which may be less of a surprise because Detroit's offensive line is pretty good. But still, that was that was where the Giants really, really lost that game. I thought they just got they just were, were beaten up on both sides of the line yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. And I think defensive defensively for the Giants, they're going to have to rely more on that front four with all of the injuries in the, in the secondary. And right now you, you question whether they can, but the, on the flip side, on the offensive side, I think we've known all year that the, the interior of that offensive line is the place where the Giants still have work to do that that weakness really, you know, sort of came home to roost on Sunday. The Lions really took advantage of of the difficulties that the Giants had up the middle. The other thing is that without Daniel Bellinger, the Giants don't have any blocking tight ends. They've had to they've had to go to the jumbo tight end package with Nick Gates. They've been going to the eight offensive lineman package when they use the, the the three tight ends. They've been taking the tight ends off the field and using the eight offensive linemen. And because of the way that the game went on Sunday, they didn't have eight offensive linemen to put in there. They all of those guys were playing. Mm-hmm. So so that part of their run game package was taken away from them. And and as I've as I've said, the the concerning thing for me all along is the Giants have a narrow path to victory. The game has to be played a certain way. And and yesterday's game was evidence to me. People have asked, is it sustainable? Can they win another way? Can they win a shootout game? Can they win a game where they have to rely on Daniel Jones? To me, it's it was more evidence that that for the Giants to win, the games have to be played a certain way. They certainly can against Dallas or Philly or or Indianapolis or or Washington or whoever. But the the struggle for the Giants, to me, is because of their lack of talent in some areas, because of their injuries, because of the the weaknesses in certain areas that we that we've known about all along. If the game isn't played in the way the Giants want it played, 
then they're at a, at a huge disadvantage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And they're going to be at a disadvantage in, I'd say at least half of their, their games uh, going forward. And then the, so the question is, can they pick up a couple in the games where they, where they've, they've really got a fighting chance. And uh, you know, that sets up the, I think the home game against Washington in two weeks. Although, although actually, uh, frankly, I like to see the Giants on the road now rather than at home because every time they're at home, somebody somebody goes down <laughs> on an ACL injury on the MetLife tour. And so, I mean, it's I mean, it's amazing, right? There are four four of the rookie class plus Sterling Shepard uh, this year, and, and maybe I've maybe I've missed one. I don't know, but that's at least that's at least five players who've gone down this year. All of them at MetLife, which is just I mean, absolutely amazing. Uh, Crazy. All right, Tony, thank you very, very much for, for the time today. Have a, have a great Thanksgiving. Hope you, uh, hope you enjoy it. Hope you get to see lots of family and, uh, and have a great day. You too, Ed. Thank you. All right, Giants fans, thank you as always for listening. Have a, have a safe and happy Thanksgiving as well. Please remember, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more strengthen security posture, and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash vox for $1,000 off Vanta.